Hello and welcome. Welcome to CPR's Clubhouse Live. My name is CPR Jose Ortiz, and I'm being joined by a great panel, Tasmania Record Labels panel, featuring on my right, Michael Astorga from Pure Pleasure, also Gennaro from the group Pain, and of course, Miguel Reyes. Thank you for joining us on CPR's Clubhouse Live. What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing? Thanks for this having us. This is my dream panel. This is the the, <laughs> the episode that I wanted to do for so long. Is my Tasmania panel. Mm-hmm. A lot of people credit Tasmania Records as the record label who brought Freestyle back and then killed it. But um, we're going <laughs> to <talk about, laughs> we're going to be talking about the story of Tasmania um, in long form. Um, again, you guys were there at different times. So we're going to go right from the beginning and just go right to the end uh, as they are back now in 2021 doing uh, other forms of music. But mm-hmm. I want to talk about the freestyle uh, history of Tasmania Records. Cool. Um, and Michael, story, we're going to start with you. Cool. Um, my recollection is, is that you were in, when when you were on Astorga Records, which is a record that um, you put out yourself through your own label, mm-hmm. um, you were approached by... Uh, Anthony Ponzio and and you were approached by the, the Mike Frillo, yeah, yeah. So you so you come over onto the Tasmania label. So um, what are the origins of Tasmania, as you recall, Michael? Well, I mean, they I didn't realize what they wanted to do. I thought they just wanted to put out a couple artists. So I was one of I think three. The first one they had out was Yonda, Stay with Me. That was their yes. first release that they were they were pushing. And um, I already did one when you come back to me. So they wanted to re-release that, but they wanted to do something fresh. So I think Stephanie Bennett was right there in line putting, doing Don't Let Me Go. And then nice. um, we released I Need You Now. And uh, kept on rolling with it since. Yeah. Do you guys agree, uh, Michael? Do you agree that um, you and Stephanie Bennett were the face of Tasmania when the launch happened? No. Well, when the launch happened, I don't. It just happened so quick. Right. So many art, good artists were, were coming out of Jersey. And with Miguel, I mean, he was already established with. with you know, right. Fact. But at the beginning, the origins, they, there was always this thing where they had Pure Pleasure and Stephanie Bennett on, on everything. They had on, on remixes and they had these EPs they put out with you guys. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed to us, um, the people that were the consumers, that the, the front people that they had, were you know the the white meat baby face of your <laughs> and um and then um you know stephanie bennett mm-hmm. so stephanie bennett had that 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 look back then you know eye-catching um mm-hmm. you know and 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 that that look that you wanted for an artist back then because back then it was it was different right it was like are you marketable are you not marketable correct you know, all of that stuff. correct correct yeah Absolutely. I don't know as far as the face is concerned. I mean, we were just trying to, I think, make a name for ourselves. So we were learning as we were going and just trying to be creative and just put these tracks out. So and it was it was kind of cool to see it grow. I mean, I still remember when Gennaro actually came and sang a song for me at Jose's house. And Jose, I remember Jose was like, yo, you got to check these these guys out. They're bad. Bad right. meaning good. And I think, Jay, what, 
I think you were with Sanaya. It was yeah, it was it was me, Heck, Sanaya, and actually uh, Carlos. And you I don't got th- you know what? I'm gonna be honest. With you, I don't think Hector was there. No, Heck was there. You and you guys, you guys put us through the paces though. You had us. Uh, we sang everything from freestyle to freaking uh, shy and all other kind of shit. Yeah, but I, I I think you even had um, what was it? I feel it in my heart. Is that I think that track that was actually, that was the rough the rough demo we had yeah they did it acapella for me Jose and I'm walking around with a bottle of Mad Dog I think we were like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'll get you a deal no problem they did that track and I heard the harmonies I was like wow wow now now Gennaro, uh, who were the members of the original Pain was myself Carlos Santos. Andre Santiago, no relation to Hector Santiago, but we were the uh, we were the, we were the, we were the guys. And uh, what happened to those members? Um, why did it end up just being you and Cito, Hector? Well, and, I, and I've talked about this before. Depending on which version of the truth you want to believe, right? The label. Well, there was some problems when we recorded the song with the four guys. There were some obvious problems, and supposedly there was a conversation that those two guys weren't cutting it, and we needed to make a decision, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, one version of the story basically goes, somebody went to the label and said, hey, these guys are not cutting it. It wasn't really a label's decision. But um, it came down to that, and uh, we had a conversation with them, and Label said, you know, we can't continue to do this, whatever, whatever. And that was, it kind of, the conversation happened before the uh, mm-hmm. song even dropped, actually. We recorded it, but it was before it was released. We had the, we had the same uh, thing here with the group Vocal Image. Uh, there were four of them, and after the first day they performed, there was three of them, you know? That was it. Was like, mm-hmm. you got it. And the, the, the thing about that night, uh, which we'll discuss in a future episode, is that they gave the hot mic to the one that couldn't sing. So it was like <laughs> all the people that could sing, you know, whether it be Julio, Angel, or Fred, no, they give it to the other guy. Oh, to, no. To out. I got the video, it's hilarious. So they gave the, they gave the mic to Julio Mena then? No, no, they, they <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the non-singer, no, Julio's amazing. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's dope, man. Just playing around. So after, after I received Tasmania, uh, volume number one, because that's also the the time where the CD era started happening for freestyle. A lot of people were buying 12-inch records. They were buying cassettes, but they were not buying CDs. And for a long time, um, my predecessor um, refused to play from um, uh, CDs, compact discs. Um, and, and he wouldn't count those as new songs either. It would be like, when I get the 12-inch record, that's when it counts, you know. That was the DJ rule back then. Um, mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to become a person that was on the mailing list for Tasmania Records. So I would get 12-inch records, um, you know, consistently. Everything from Tasmania is still in its um, original form in my record closet here at the CPR's Clubhouse Studio. Um, I have them all in order because that's where you have to have them. Um, mm-hmm. And I get people hitting me up all the time to purchase them or to... Did you get the um, the Yan to stay with me? It was the first yes. release, but yes. it was on their indie twelve yes. inch vinyl. Wow! Yeah, I, I I got everything. I got the 
the TAO together as one. Uh, uh, fly as can be with a fly actually on the record. You know what? Um, they knocked it. I actually liked the song. Well, I actually liked it. It was pretty terrible, but um, yeah, the, I liked it. My biggest, I don't know issue, my biggest issue was the guy who did the graphics, you know, that put a fly on it. Um, and that was another thing that was unique about Tasmania. You guys had some unique graphics. And back then, it was like five grand for graphics against your contract. So you guys were paying that, you know, because they had to well, look at look at the Tasmanian one that you got posted on your. Look at that. Yeah, no, that, that was that's pretty... that's a mix of Anthony Pons, Mike Ferrillo, and Pete Cerrone right there, guys. Right. If you look at, I, it. I remember getting volume number one, <laughs> and volume number two was already coming out, and I'm like, man, these guys are churning them out. So, mm -hmm. I, I, you guys were busy in the studio. Uh, were you part of those sessions where they were making part one and two? I was I was in the polygon on pretty much all the songs. Yeah. Just you know what? And, and even the ones that weren't from Taz. I mean, I remember when Collage did I'll Be Loving You. I was there when he recorded it and he was just like, I don't know if I like this track. <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting, I'm like, give it to me, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, can you, you imagine? I mean? Yeah, no, nah, but I mean we it was a really cool experience. I mean, going through with, with some of these artists and all and, and seeing their vocal capability. And a lot of them had it. You know, uh, the most good. popular, the most popular song uh, in New England for the Tasmania collection was on volume number three. Uh, our guest Miguel Reyes uh, had a song called "Those Were the Times." Of course. Now, now I, I want to say that uh, "Those Were the Times" meant a lot to the community, um, mm -hmm. and it was a song that made him synonymous with freestyle in New England. And he was invited here what, like thirty times uh, to come and sing that one song, Miguel. I recall going out there maybe maybe two or three times. I know I came out to one of your venues, but then yeah, after I, so I, I so I super over exaggerated there, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I meant I meant collectively. I know that you came to Massachusetts and uh, to do those were the times, but I know that um, in Connecticut you were there multiple times. I would go uh, up to the times where um, you. Um, were booked at all these uh, different uh, events, unique events called Fuga Jam or, you know, Ooh. whatever it was called. Um, but they, they just had many different events that featured you. The point that I'm trying to make is that those were the times meant a lot to the community. And it was a, a song that people really gravitated to. Um, mm -hmm. Even though you had been part of Full Effect, did, were you expecting that success from those were the times? Actually, no. I mean, after Full Effect, I was like, okay, now what? I mean, what I kept doing during that period, I just kept listening to other artists. I kept studying, listening to the writing formats. And also during that time, I was going through a transition in my life. So, you know, that's how the song came out. You know, at the time, I was just thinking about, you know, my family, close friends, people that inspired me. And and that's what created that song. So it wasn't until um, I didn't know anything about Tasmania until uh, Sammy C reached out to me. And um, I guess he has spoken to the guys, uh, Anthony Pons, and they remembered me from Full Effects. They remember my sound and song, and they were interested. So that's how all that, that's how all that started. From there on, it was history. And yeah, Sammy C is one of the most underrated artists of, of um, the Tasmania compilations because he really did put them on the map. I mean, when In Your Eyes and um, mm -hmm. uh, the other songs that he put out, when he put them out independently, they were very popular. 
And to the point where um, we had Sammy C come to New England and he had to be the main attraction, even though he was just one of the, the people that were part of the crew. Um, so he ended up closing the night. Um, and that's how much those songs meant to the community. Um, but um, Sammy C, again, one of the most underrated artists in, in the Tasmania era. Um, about his one, two, three, or four were distributed by Hot Productions and they put out Tasmania mixes. There was also a situation where they started churning everything out so quickly that even though uh, Tasmania was out there in the forefront, it seemed like they had burned out their stay at Hot Productions. Uh, do you guys recall how the Hot Productions exit happened? You guys know, I, I, I've seen all the internals. Yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike would know more about internally about that than us. Yeah, it was, it was pretty nasty. I mean, we actually took a trip down to Florida to uh, hot and um, the numbers weren't jiving. You know, we were waiting on statements on, cause at that time I was actually an investor into the label. I actually invested into the label, I think uh, second year in. So we wanted to know what was going on. We were going to make our return and um, we weren't happy at all what they came back with. So, um, yeah, we had to figure out what to do. Keep yeah, I saw I saw all the redacted uh, pay stubs that people will receive with the checks. It would be like $2 and some cents, and it would be redacted, and all the expenses would be redacted, and yeah. then you have to cash the $3 check or whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, so so is that was that was that what was happening with the Tasmania record itself, the, the label itself? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be blunt with it. Uh, the distri distributors they rob us for all the time that we put in, and we pay for production for the artists, and um, you know, doing these one through three compilations. Um, the return wasn't there. We were lucky we didn't go belly up right then and there. Right. Um, so, so you did one so, more compilation. Uh, you did four uh, for for the hot productions distribution uh, deal. Um, so right. so again. Because we always assume that that mm -hmm. um, you got a you got a better deal from Metropolitan, that's why you left, and it was because of of the the split from that distribution label that led you guys to leave. Right. Well, it's no problem when you go to Sam Goody and you can you want to buy a Tasmania CD. That's when the transitions were going on, so they're putting out more CDs, and then what they were doing is I don't know if you guys remember this. They were actually from the distributor that were taking the stickers, like Tasmania 5 coming out, and would put it right over top of the UPC. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you go to the front and the UPC is not scannable? It comes up as miscellaneous. You can't report it. You don't know how many is being sold except for the people who are pressing it. Right. So you know what I mean? What, what do you recall, Gennaro, from that time, from the beginning of, of the Tasmania 1 through 4? Um... <laughs> it's a, it, a whole lot of different e emotions come to mind with, with that whole stuff. You know, the on the one hand, you're like, you know, oh man, we got a deal. You know, oh man, this is great. Um, you talk about Sammy C. I knew Sammy before the Taz era because we were both from the same neighborhood. We uh, I grew up on Seventh Street in Camden, and Sammy lived on Eighth Street. Right. So we literally like grew up around the corner from each other, and like. Me and Heck were just like two guys trying to do it at the time, and uh, he was already like doing it. Like you said, in your eyes, it dropped, and um, he was moving on to his second uh, song. And I remember when we uh, went to the first Tasmania meeting, his eyes was kind of big, like, 
oh, you guys are here. Like, you know, because he, he didn't know he didn't know we were paying because we were still firing dice at that point. Right. Before. So, you know, he knew pain was on the label, but he see like Gennaro, Hector, you got oh man, I didn't know like you guys. So, you know, it's kind of funny seeing these two kids that were like, yo, man, how you do that? We want to do that. And you know, then we wanna be in there. And um like 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 you know, like Mike's saying, then you know, you start doing things and we go forward a little bit and I always tell the story. The big thing that like stood out to me was, um, you know, I'm, I'm broke, and it's like my song is playing every freaking song that passes me in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I hear our, our our CDs are going nonstop. Like, in, I mean, every car that passes by is like not every. I'm exaggerating, but you understand what I'm saying. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. there going, something, something's not right, man. Because like we're like we're like super popular, and then you know when we started um traveling. And we went to places like Connecticut. The first time we went to Connecticut, like you said, the, the things were coming out so fast. We were performing I'm the One to Blame. And we said, well, let's sing it because this way we can introduce it to people. We didn't expect no one to know it. The audience was singing it back with us. And I think it came out like two weeks before we got there. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it was a, you know, learning experience. Like I said, I have no ill will towards, towards the label at all because without the label, we wouldn't be having this dialogue right now. I wouldn't be, you know, the Gennaro that I am. So I'm grateful for the experience. I mean, you know, look, man, it's the it's the nature of the business. The same way, you know, they got jerked, so we got jerked. You know, I'm not I'm not mad. I'm not mad at them at, by any any means. I'm I'm grateful to tell you the truth. I mean, we all gotta get our bumps and bruises in this business until you know you you know better. I mean, even it happens in the majors, so. Why would I sit there and, you know, be upset or something? And I don't feel like they were taking advantage of us to such a degree because they were learning like we were learning. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't like they were these established label that was out there. They were actually trying to do something good. Like you said, they kept they kept freestyle going at a time when most people had turned their backs on it. Because yeah, you and I know that, a lot of legends were working time, and stuff. So. Sorry to interrupt, but at the time where Tasmania released their first compilation, we were playing techno. Um, and people right now are going, what's techno? Um, but <laughs> that's what we were playing. We were we were adding old school freestyle music with techno. And and there was a countdown that they were doing, uh, the Clubhouse Dance Music Countdown, which is still going right now. But we implemented Latin House and techno on the countdown with freestyle because there was no freestyle coming out at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Miguel, um, you were part of the first wave, uh, the first four compilations of Tasmania. Um, what do you recall about being part of number three and then um, part of number four as well? Oh, wow. It was, um, like I said, I got no regrets. I got no uh, no hate or no grudges on anything to how it happened. I mean, you know, I mean, the opportunity was there and we we all made the best of it. I mean, the only the only downfall that I saw from this was um, was when, um, when those were the times was doing so well. Um, you know, it got added. Most people don't know it. It got added to primetime radio at a B96 in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that was huge. And um, I thought with the transition with with Metro, things would have happened a lot quicker, but it didn't. Because what happened is when you get added to a major radio station, they want to see product of that particular song. Right. And at the time, the only thing was available was the volumes with various artists. So there was no cd singles or cassette singles of the one song so that mm-hmm. kind of hurt my chances of being you know being heard at other stations you know because there was other sister stations crossover stations mm-hmm. 
they were testing it but didn't want to chance it. B96 was the only one that chanced it, kept right. it on there because the song was highly in demand. But uh, with all that said, man, it was, um, as I look back, it was just, it was a great experience. You know what I'm saying? I cannot complain. I mean, it's um, it, I, I lived every moment during the peak of my success, met a lot of people that I consider family to this day. You know, and that's what I try to tell a lot of the, the newcomers. You know, when you get that moment, man, live it and, and make the best of it, man, because it, it's never going to come again. You know what I'm saying? You never know. I mean, in this business, you come and go. You got new faces. It changes constantly. But um, the experience was awesome. Um, it appears that for some and and that, that follow Tasmania, now you're the classic artist, right? So now you're seeing the fruits of your labor and and now you're being booked and now you're you're going to do shows to do those songs that are now considered classics those were the times uh is a classic in new england uh any song from pain uh, from balance one through four is a classic michael astorga's mm -hmm. when will you come back to me uh pure pleasure songs those are all classics so you now now you're considered by some a classic act um and how does it feel to be a classic act now in 2021 after you being on Tasmania in the early nineties. I wish we were made I wish we would have made the classic list before ninety two. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we would be booked <laughs> with everybody else. You know what I'm saying? We came in at the cutoff. A lot of people say we came to save it, but no, we just continued after that, you know, ninety one, ninety two. But right. Mm -hmm. That's the only downfall. And and I've had this conversation before with uh, Stevie B. He's like, brother, I love your stuff, but you featured late. You know what I'm saying? You came out late, you know. Right. But, you know, your stuff is good. We, we love your stuff. So it was just kind of shocking that, you know, we made a lot of, you know, there's other artists out there that you will not think would know your music, actually know your music. Yeah. Uh, Stevie B uh, is one that always looked at uh, new music uh, and new people coming out because he wants to know, like, who is up the, the new up and cover? Who's my competition? Who is the ones that's vibing for the audience? And, you know, uh, again, we talk about this all the time, but there are artists out there from from the generation that that is classic, true classic, right? Um, the 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 old schoolers or whatever generation one that that really want to take artists that are part of generation two, like you guys, and bring them along for their shows, and then that even the new generation three guys, um, you know, pulling them pulling them up. But it, but now because of social media, it's become a competition instead of people putting each other up. Yeah. So. Um, is there a difference between the way that, that you guys interacted back in the 90s and what in the way that you interact with each other in, in the 2020s because of social media? With Just each now, other? Um, with each other or just with, with each other? Um, I'm talking about back then, you know how mm -hmm. things worked. You know, you're, you're telling me the story of how things worked back then with you um, mm -hmm. and, and how, do, how you garner your popularity, how... how your success was measured now in 2021 we have social media um and is it the same for you or is it different is it better or is it worse i would say well i would say it's different i mean back in the day it's like um we all grew up in the same areas so we all hung out at the same places right we might not have known each other personally but we knew this person and we we just knew oh you know him okay i didn't know he was here or her you know so you know tasmania just brought us all together you know what i'm saying so it was just like a mutual connection that same thing with sammy c i met sammy c before as a matter of fact sammy c was actually part of full effect at one point because we did mm -hmm. songs together as well but um 
yeah, it's it's totally uh it's totally night and day compared to how it was back then than what mm-hmm. it is now. I mean, us we still keep in contact with each other. We compliment each other. You know what I'm saying? You know, when we come out with new stuff. Now it's kind of I don't think these new these new artists know who we are. To be honest with you, I don't think they know. I don't think they know the history, or you know, they just don't know. Or they don't care to. Um, I, I'm a historian. I didn't want to say, but you did. I, I'm a historian. <laughs> I'm a historian, and I, it, it bothers me when new artists come out and they already think they're superstars, and then someone like you may say, "Hey, I, I'm here to help," and they're like, "What can you do for me? Um, who are you? You know what I mean?" Um, mm. Like. Mm-hmm. You're like uh, Google, um, learn your history, uh, listen to radio shows. Um, if, if you're on a flyer with, with other artists, make sure you, you look for those artists so you can know what you're talking about. It's very simple. I mean, uh, the Internet has made things very simple. Right now, I have pulled up the entire Tasmania compilation history on my iPad. I can talk about those things. And I can remember, you know, uh, those were the times, volume three, um, along with Connecticut's curiosity in your arms tonight. And, uh, you know, we have Sanaya, remember, and pain, I'm the one to blame. I think, I think for me, you know, volume three was my favorite. Um, um, and to, to move away from the topic we were just discussing, which one of the compilations were your favorites? It's a good one. Because I love the, I remember traveling to New York City to to listen to volume number two, and there's a lot of pure pleasure songs on there, at least two, uh, and there was that that uh, duo with uh, Denisha, um, mm-hmm. In and Out of Love. Uh, I, I like two. I, I I for myself, I like volume two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I love volume three because it had a, so many so many songs that um, really blew up Tasmania to that other peak level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me. I like, I like two. Two will always like have a, a special place, but I think overall for me, I would probably go with number four. Mm-hmm. But my reason being is, and it's kind of uh, selfish, is because even though they screwed up the credits, I wrote another song on uh, on four besides uh you know um doing the it could have been love thing, and it's also the only time on the well not the only time but that. They didn't mess with my my. Uh, they didn't chop the album up to change right. my my verses because the last time I sang first, they chopped it off because they said they didn't want me to sing first, which I thought was retarded. And right. so then this time they just left it alone because I didn't sing first. <laughs> what about you? Well, who, I don't um, understand who would say that though. You know what I mean? Who who would say that? Oh, uh, I, mean, well, I, I could do I could do my best Ponza imitation. Be like no. Uh, yo, Oh, well, nah. well, you know, you know, you know, uh, uh, man, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but you know, you know that uh, Sanaya was one of the most talented female artists uh, of the entire '90s era. But Absolutely. then you get that whole, oh, you're not marketable bullcrap. And I'm like, are you listening to her? Like now in 2021, it doesn't matter. I wish she was back doing new music because mm-hmm. uh, it didn't. It, but you know what? It didn't matter then because when she did shows. Like yeah, people yeah. loved her, they ate it up. That was just absolutely. I remember I forgot what club we were at. Willie Valentine was out there with us. You were I want to say it was after that meeting. And I think Sanaya was she was performing. When she started performing and started dancing, Willie was like, Holy 
shit. <laughs> that that show was here in New England, and yes, I recall that was my next point because we all gathered together the next day at the CPR's Clubhouse show on one hundred three point five in uh, New England. But um, man, Sanaya was the real deal, um, and and not only is she a great singer and writer, sweetest but, girl too, what a performer, the sweetest person, what a performer, uh, mm -hmm. what a great performer. But I didn't get to ask you, uh, Miguel. What was your favorite compilation out of the first four? I would say volume three. It's the one that, you know, everybody mostly talked about. I mean, even back in the day when I was doing, um, when I was uh, going to record stores uh, and, and signing, you know, people would bring the volume three. And they wouldn't just talk about those were the times. They, oh, do you know all these other artists on here as well? You know, so, I mean, that was the most talked about volume, no matter where I went. I mean, I signed, I think, more on the Tasmania 3 than I did on my vinyl. <laughs> Michael Astorga, uh, just so we could recap uh, volume number three, we got we got uh, Samantha Bishore, which is a smash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Miguel Reyes was on the Times. We had the Willie Valentine, Once You Love Affair. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Zangie. Yeah, Joe Zangie, through and Bay was on there, too. Sanaya. Uh, remember mm -hmm. curiosity in your arms tonight. Uh, Kuala Bay came at volume four. Volume uh, four. Okay, okay. Yeah. We had Tolga on volume three. Um, pure pleasure, you are the one. Um, yeah, yeah, Miguel did the backgrounds. Wasn't it? Wasn't that was Shattered? Yeah, you guys, you guys, LFX Shattered Dreams. That was a hit. That was a hit. Never got to see who sang those songs. Never knew who it I was. Met, that... I, met, I met him. Um, he came to uh, a couple, like two ties meetings in uh, Perulo's mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it was uh, there was a Gina Lanz or Gina Lanzi. With mm -hmm. I don't know, how do you yeah. say it? Gina Lanzi? Yep, that's it. You got it. So Gina Lanzi was like the 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 most uh, played uh, female. Carry just on the cover. Carry on. I will carry yeah. on. Yeah, I will carry on. Gina Lanzi. Uh, there was a DJ here in New England. DJ Bad Influence. He would end his show with that song. Every week, <laughs> get out. Every week, I will carry on. And, and I'm, on, I'm on that record. You know, I'm on that record, right? Yes, I, I see yeah. the credits. Um, <laughs> but the reason why he he played that song was for his his son, who was taken away from him and was Ooh. far away in another oh, wow. another state or another country. You know, eventually they got reunited, but um, okay. that that was a song that he dedicated to his son every week. Um, but um. That that's another artist from Tasmania that I wanted to meet and book, uh, Gina Lanzi. Um, never got the opportunity to do it. I always wanted to meet Denisha. Never got an opportunity to do it um, because these these are artists that that because of Tasmania putting out all these compilations, all these twelve inches, we didn't really get to meet or enjoy. Um, who are some of the people that you thought had talent that didn't get the spotlight the way they should have? Ooh. As you said, um, I say Denisha for sure. I just feel like with Denisha, a lot of it was a uh, song um, song choices because she's a different type of, of vocalist, and I just don't think a lot of the freestyle structured songs she didn't really approach them the way the way her voice really. Is. She's like, I mean, she's a she's a powerhouse singer. I know, uh, I know, Mike, Mike knows that too. She's a powerhouse singer, and I. I went to high school with her too. So when I say like I'm so connected to all these people, Sanaya used to sit behind me in English class and I was one of the first people telling her like um like she could she could write and you know you guys know her with more personality, but when I met her, she would literally speak like in a whisper. 
you really think so? <laughs> like, you know, and she was like really shy and everything. She sounded anyway. like she sounded like hooks from Police Academy. Yeah, like she was so she was so reserved. But I was like good friends with her uh, her cousin Tony, and he's like he kept telling my cousin Sonia sings. You know, me and Hector singing like Sonia, and he's like yeah, and he told I'm like. Man, that's my girl. She sits behind me in English class. We talk. I show her my writing and all the stuff. Like, oh, I didn't know that. So, kind of, um, she mm -hmm. actually we used to be friends with a girl lived down the street from me, and that, like, so it's all like how it comes into the. I always make this thing like from my little circle of the Taz people. It's kind of like I'm like this little link in the chain because of how I was connected to some of the people who came onto the uh, the scene or whatever. But it's so, funny. so you you pick Sanaya out of underrated and, and person that should have been more in the forefront or you well, you're talking I more about I won't say underrated for Sanaya because she her songs got exposure. Now as far as her being underexposed by the label, yes. I, I'll say that for sure. But um underrated now people hit me up all the time like man her songs are dope. Like people love 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 her music. So she got, she did get her props in that. And I, I still talk to her from time to time. That's She's uh, very heavily into, you know, church right now. She doesn't do any more freestyles. Yes. But she'll still, uh, you know, if the fans reach out to her and say hello, she responds and she doesn't like shun that stuff away completely. So, Miguel, I think I know who you'll choose, but go ahead. Who do you choose as a person that was uh, underrated and not giving their spotlight on Tasmania? Sanaya, man, all the way. I seen her perform and I was like, I said, girl, you can, you got better moves than I can ever have. You know, because <laughs> you know, I, my stage presence is just average. I watched her and I'm like, wow, I need to do some work. I remember you throwing roundhouse kicks during your show. And What's I think that? Noah stole that from you. What's that now? I remember you throwing roundhouse kicks during your show. <laughs> oh, snap. And I think Noel stole that from you. You know what I mean? Because yours were, <laughs> yours were fluid. You know what I mean? They were. Oh, they used to do that. They were a lot more fluid. Yeah. I got, yeah. I, too much used to do that now. in the studio. They're not too. as before. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he yeah. did do he did do that at the studio. I I even witnessed that a uh, a couple of times. But I actually yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that was during my uh, that was during my uh, competitive days. I used to. <laughs> I um I even have a kind of a a, a Miguel story because um, we were like we were huge full effect fans like you know there's a certain type of music that me and Heck would gravitate to, and I'll never forget the first time you know we heard um Remember the Days and I was like man this is like one of the dopest records that I ever I ever heard in my life, by some crazy coincidence, I wasn't there because I had to work, but Hector and my friend Tito were in Tower Records and ran into yeah, Miguel. Yeah. I remember. I and remember. Um, we were telling, like, oh, me and my, my partner, Gennaro, we sang with this group called Fire and Ice. And, like, we exchanged numbers and all that stuff. So, again, it's funny how we all yeah. wound up on tap. It's just like a little coincidence. They wound up yeah. on Yeah, when we had that meeting, yeah, it was like, oh, all right, yeah, I met you yeah. guys. Yeah. Michael, who you choose? What's that? Uh, who are you choosing as a person that was underrated and not used properly on Tasmania? I don't know if you guys remember. You remember Justin Vince? Vincent? I do. Yes. 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 Yeah, he, uh, oof, that boy had a lot of talent. I mean, he actually was at the front door. You know, he was hooked up with Timberland's camp. He was working with Pharrell. Yep. Yeah, he was doing a lot of stuff, and he, he had that big meeting, and um, it just didn't fall through. This was, like, after his Taz, Taz days. Right. This He started really getting into production and uh, 
Correct. That boy can sing. Well, let, let's move forward to when Tasmania moved over to Metropolitan. Um, so you're the you're the guy that was behind the scenes, Michael. Um, was that issue with hot production what caused him to go? I know you touched on it before. Want to make sure you do it now. It ultimately wasn't. I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much. I mean, we wanted to be in a better place. Um, I think just somewhere closer where we could monitor what was going on. And on Metro was a good fit, too, I thought. You came back with some fire on a Volume 5. Because mm -hmm. Pure Pleasure brought bring me back. Like, you you, you became a New York Street freestyle group. Right I was, I always, I always was a fan of Willie Valentine. Always a big fan of like when he did what true love affair, I was like, I want to do stuff like that. So we contracted him and Michael Anthony Berteau. And I remember them being in the booth and I'm singing. Willie's like, No, I don't like that. Michael's like, Leave him alone. That's how he sings. What are you talking about? He's like, this, this, this right there. I don't like that. But we, we knocked through it. I was happy with it. I mean, we had, I had a different idea in my head how I wanted the vocals to do, but it was a timeline crunch. And the boys will tell you, I mean, we're in the booth. We had X amount of hours to get the track done. Yeah. You know, and it was like, if you didn't get it done in that certain amount of time. That now, was it. now, it's very different in 2021. How, how much did it cost back then for vocals? For vocals? They just, what did they do, boys? They just put that into the package. So, yeah. I think Bring Me Back, we did in four hours. Totally. And yeah, I mean, that was what, yeah, that was what we got. Every every song was four hours. You had four uh, hours. You didn't get it done in four hours. Whatever you didn't get done, forget it. It was over. Yeah. What was the cost for four hours? We didn't pay. They did. Four, eight, yeah, 40 bucks an hour? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. 40, 40, Wait, 40, 40 bucks right? an hour, but it cost you about 3000 to do the song. Yes, yes. Right, <laughs> right. That's that, so things that's haven't that changed free, much, you know. That's that's that freestyle forty percent, you know what I mean? You gotta pay that freestyle forty percent tax. Unreal, unreal. Yes, no. um, Miguel, uh, when you went over to Tas uh, to Metropolitan with Tasmania, you got a you got an album deal, right? Um, how did that come about? How did did you push for it? Did they offer it to you? How did you get the album? Well, what happened when we're doing that transition when uh, Metropolitan? Right before we went to Metropolitan, the song had just, those were the time has just got added to regular rotation on B96. Jerry Salerno got real excited. And right off the bat, we need an album from this guy. We need an album. So, you know, Pete, Mike and them reached out, hey, they want an album. So we started, you know, I started, you know, digging into my songbook and, you know, started dishing out some songs. So we finally got the album done and then when those were the, when those were the times got dropped, because like I said, there was no CD single of the song to support the airplay. Right. He didn't want it. He decided he didn't want to do the album. So the reason why that album came out was because a writer from uh, from I forgot who the writer was. DMA magazine. DMA magazine reached out to me, and we did an interview. And he mentioned, we started talking about the album and I told him exactly that. I said, one minute they wanted it, now they don't. And he wrote that. So Jerry saw the column and got mad and said, 
now I have no choice but to put out the album because of that column. And that's the only reason why the album came out. If it wasn't for that write-up, it wouldn't have been no album. And was it the person that wrote that, um, Bernie? No, it wasn't Bernie. It was not Bernie. Doug Bump. Doug Bump, okay. Well, big shout-out to out him wherever he is. Yeah, um, it was. I remember the name, Doug Bump. Because I, I remember, I remember speaking to you back then, and that frustration where we were excited in New England to have an album from you, and then it was pulled. Um, back then, there were two places that sold freestyle in this area. In Connecticut, it was Mr. Musica, and mm -hmm. in in Springfield, Mass, it was uh, the Music Center. So these places would turn out freestyle every um, every week. They would get uh, shipments from Hot Production, all these places. Uh, and they will sell. Uh, Mr. Musica was the best because he will sell you all the bad compilations, even the tango, <laughs> right? Whoa! I'll be here a week. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, but that that was that was the reputation that that came from Hot Productions. That after a while, the compilations that they kept churning out only had one good song, maybe two good songs, and then that kind of uh, came over to Tasmania. And then once the later uh, volumes started coming, the 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 quality decreased. Um, so how did you guys feel when the quality started decreasing, or did you not notice? I noticed. Yeah. How? How? How fast? Oh, oh, <laughs> shit. On, on on volume three, they literally used the same break on on our song and Jose's song. And they started, yeah, yeah, they were they were mix mashing. Oh, we'll, we'll take a little bit from here and there, right? Yeah. They started, the, I, yeah. They started putting three or what three artists on one vinyl. Remember that? Yeah, remember yeah, that? that did that did happen. Yeah. I, I also remember that they had like 40 different versions of rhythm centrics. You don't have to worry. Like every compilation had a remix of rhythm centric. We'll see. Unreal. That, not to go off course, but that was another thing I saw uh, with, with Metro. Um, it's like I became a victim of circumstance because of that article, because he had no choice but to put out the album. I became a victim of circumstances. I thought after the success of Times, someday would have been a strong follow-up. I thought Metropolitan would have been on top of it. I thought it was a beautiful follow-up to Times, but it just sat like everything else and then go nowhere was not promoted was not pushed and then you saw everything else being rushed from that point on i also saw like a merging of some of the artists from viper records recovered over to tasmania like Deneen. um i also saw um some of the people that were on metropolitan also coming over to tasmania so um what was that a collaboration or was that mandated that i don't know um I don't even remember when they started. I remember some of the deals we're trying to go through. I don't know if it was a money situation or whatever, just to do collabs. Of uh, certain, per, like certain person A was running out of money, and then they wanted to bring somebody over to try and fill in the voids. But right. I mean, I remember talking to them early, in I think it was probably around volume four or five. I'm like, why don't we just concentrate on artist development? Take like four artists and just push them. Didn't want to hear it. Yeah, it would have mm -hmm. been awesome. I, I know that Pure Pleasure. I don't even care if I was on the list. Right. You know what it, I mean? It, it was Miguel Reyes, Pure Pleasure, Pain, Samantha. Um, yeah. You know, those those are the ones. Like, 
I, I remember Samantha Gervasio, Samantha mm -hmm. getting a big buzz with mm -hmm. Be Sure and, mm -hmm. and anything that she would release. Mm -hmm. um, but I never saw her out there the way she should have been or promoted the way that she should have been. Same thing with Sammy C. Um, Sammy C has some great songs. Other part okay. of me, and other part of me is is amazing. Um, and and Fate of Destiny was re-released, and they had a lot of things that they put on these compilations um, as well that they could have capitalized on. There could have been a Tasmania tour, a real one, on a bus with the logo and oh yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. People would have. I, yeah. I, st I still think it could still be. It right. could be. I mean, you look at it like, that. okay, we talked about earlier how we all hung out at the same places. We all know each other through association. When I hear interviews about the, uh, the brothers from New York, from the Bronx, they all grew up in the same areas. They all hung out at the same places, and they all knew each other. So it's almost the same transition, just in a different location. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish Tasmania or somebody would take an initiative to do a Tasmania tour. I mean, because you still have, you know, we're still active. I'm, I'm, I do shows from time to time. Sammy still, Sammy sees out there. Stephanie, you know, she's going to blow it up. She's going to do what she got to do to get out there. Get it. Your pleasure, Mike, you, Gennaro, I mean, come on. I mean, mm -hmm. we need somebody in Philly with some balls to put this shit together and get us on tour. It was like our yeah, winter I think California. Used to no? Oh, the winter spectaculars used to be the. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a thing in Jersey that we used to have. We used to have like one or two parties a year and we find the biggest club that we could have it in. And we would always, we were like, they would shut it down. Fire marshal would come shut it down we'd pack and it. they were bringing people in through like the staircases, like the fire escapes. Yeah. I remember you know, driving were... to one of those cause we were booked. Um, yeah. And it was Stephanie Marie vocal image. And I drove to Philly but we ended up uh, not being able to have anyone perform because um, someone got into a fist fight, and the only one that got to perform was Stephanie Marie for briefly, and then they shut the whole bar down. Um, I'm guessing, um, you know, it was a Tasmania artist that got into a fist fight because I'm letting you sign at him. Probably Jose. Well, our first, <laughs> our first show as Pain, we performed in Philly with Pure Pleasure. Uh. Uh, Joe Zangi, I'm trying to remember who I think Annette might have been there. A fight broke out that day too because somebody threw something at the stage. And I ain't gonna say, you know, which group always seemed to be ready to tussle, but it sure wasn't the group called Pain. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to allude to pure pleasure, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> um, I, I had the opportunity to book uh, people like uh, Annette and Charlie and. All these people that were part of the town. Oh, Charlie was there that night too. His girl yeah, tried yeah. to fight him because yeah. So you know, Miguel Reyes, uh, Willie Valentine, Sanaya, uh, Payne, um, and so yeah, I think that a Tasmania tour in Massachusetts, Connecticut, California, Texas, uh, Philly, um, and New York, and you know that would work. Um, and and the price has to be right, but also the venue has to be right, and the community needs to want to go out there and celebrate these songs that are going to be turning 30 years old soon. How do you feel about that? That's cool. That would be cool. 30. Oof. Well, gravity's catching up to all of us, so if it's going to happen, it needs to happen right now. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> right I'm now, man. So uh, once once Tasmania started getting into uh, volume 11 or 12, um, oh when my. did you guys when did you guys choose to depart? When did you guys choose to leave the individual labels, because for a, a long period of time, 
all I hear on Tasmania compilations was pain and Sanaya. You know what I mean? Pain and Sanaya. Even the Christmas uh, uh, follies or whatever they used to do, it was pain and Sanaya. Well, and we and we talked about this before. I am not there. I left. I'm not on five. I ain't on, you know, a few of the ones in there. But coincidentally, I'm on the last one. Right. Because I came back, um, which we did Tears of Time. Uh, the other two guys, Carlos and Andre, they were like, oh, I, had wrote, I wrote the songs. One, actually, one of the earliest songs I ever wrote. And they were like, they wanted to do something. And we just did the song on our own. was no Taz involvement at all. And I don't even know how they, again, these guys, they had spies or something. Because they would always hear what we did. And they were like, oh, we heard your song. We want to put it out. And I was like, what? And then I was like, and I, I told um since it was Carlos's idea, I said, it's up to you, man. I know I wrote the song, but if you want them to put it out, put it out. So it actually bookend the very first song we did with Taz was all four, and the very last song was all four of us again. So what led to your departure, Gennaro? Um, actually, again, depending on the version you want to believe, um, I, I think it had a lot to do with my um I've always been more business savvy than my partner and um i was i would question a lot of things and supposedly you know it was a conversation of what well, they wanted him to just go ahead and be on his own and my thing was well he can go do whatever he wants he just can't do it his pain right so i would i was like um i'd still show up at shows i still do i'd book shows with me and him and they kind of didn't like it but i really didn't give two shits about it because i was like it was my name i made it up um, and I've been driving this, I have been driving this van for so long. I'm like, how are you gonna throw me out of my own van? He must be crazy. Like it ain't gonna work. But I kept telling them, like, you know, I kept telling Sanaya, Joe, anybody who would listen to me, I would say, stop singing. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I just put, I put out a, a cassette as a, like a trial. I sold every copy I had. I had it in Tower Records, Sam Goody. I had it in all these places. I'm like, you don't need the label. To do this, I said, and if you're going to stay on the label, at least make them treat us right. And I, what do you mean? I said, stop singing. Stop churning out song after song. Stop writing for everybody else. I said, because eventually they know that the pure pleasure, the sanayas, the pain, these people are push, keeping the label rolling. So everything else is just filler. If you guys say, I'm not going to sing, I guarantee that you're going to start getting paid. I guarantee this and that's going to happen. But, you know, I was just a... Uh, I was one man against many. And then later on, I'm like, oh, Gennaro, you were right. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Miguel, what, what led to your departure? Your your album was released. Um, you you were pretty much a, 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 you know, a breakout star on the Tasmania label. Um, what led to you leaving and parting ways with Tasmania? I just, um, I just burned out, honestly. I mean, because there was a, there was a, there was a point where, I think after the, when I did the Warner Music Conference, it was in 96, Mike, you were out there mm -hmm. that year. I think after that, um, you know, I never had a marketing team. And I never had good management. So everything was pretty much done by me, all the phone calls, all the driving. I was actually buying my own freaking material off the freaking record stores just to mail it to the DJs, to get it here, get it there, buying the vinyl, buying the CDs. Mm -hmm. Yep. Spending all this money not making money you know like i said i had no manager to book me for shows or try to keep me out there 
And um, at the time, I, I had met my wife in Chicago. We were dating. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to put this aside. Got married, started my life, and, you know, went on hiatus for a while. Yeah. I, I remember having those conversations with you. Um, and I remember your frustrations. Um, we used to be really close. We used to talk to each other all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I still have your handwritten letter that you wrote to me. It was a little card uh, thanking me for the success of those were the times. And uh, right. I will have this at the end of the uh, video. I will try to put it on there. That's cool. Uh, you don't get them anymore. Nope. No, um, the last one that I did get was from an artist uh, recently from Louis Marte. He sent me a note. Oh, uh, nice. That, you know, you know, it was really cool. Um, but these are the things that I appreciate the most when it comes to our music. It's it's is the the fact that people appreciate the labor that you put into it. I know that you guys put in a labor, um, and you have put in your time. Um, and Michael and I were speaking about this before we started recording this episode about all the times that I put in uh, to promote. Absolutely. To promote. People don't realize how much work it is right. entailed for what you have to do. Right. You know? And, and I, this is not about me. I just want to know. I just want to make sure that people know the efforts mm -hmm. that the artists have taken. And I know Miguel Reyes' plight because I was there from the beginning. And I remember all the trips that he took and all the sacrifices that he made and all the frustrations. And I remember the Tasmania album situation like it was yesterday. Um, I recall the conversations that we used to have. Um, that conversation cost me like $300 because back then, um, <laughs> yeah. you had to, I'm like, Miguel, can you come back after nine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a recall, yep. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me, let me talk about Pure Pleasure for a moment. What led to you guys parting ways with Tasmania? Because you guys were like the original group. Dude, just no freaking money, bro. I had to get a real job. So it's like, I think the last thing we did is we did that past and present LP. Right. And um, I remember getting a phone call from Paul Klein from Hot. And I don't know if Mike and Jay noticed, but he was just like, yo, you owe me money. I was like, what? Oh, are you kidding me? I said, I'm, we're pressing up a thousand copies, 1500 copies, the whole thing. And you want a piece of that too? Wow. <laughs> No, I, <laughs> I <laughs> wish. You know That's what I'm saying? Impressive. And I had, you know, I remember I was living home. He called me on the phone. Oh my God. It's like one of those times, you know how it is when you get so pissed, you see red and you just black out. You know what I mean? You know you're talking, but you don't know what the hell you're saying. Well, that's what happened. That was it. We did what we had to do. It was just time to, you know, reality check. We didn't know if any of us were going to keep on doing what we were doing. We knew it was done, you know. Yeah, Paul Klein was the the owner of Hot Productions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can see the Hot Productions uh, record record <laughs> in the back uh, there. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, man, uh, it is frustrating uh, what happened in the '90s, um, and mm -hmm. a lot of the things that happened either it was a label or voluntarily done by the artists to themselves. Because I also mm -hmm. recall that there were a lot of artists that didn't care about. Their songs, they never copy wrote them. They didn't care about ass capping them or doing a poor man's um right. poor man's mailing of of, of uh their own copyright, yeah. Poor, poor man copyright. Yeah, poor man's copyright. Um, because they wanted to be stars. So they would say, right. you know, take my vocals, take my record. Um, I paid you to produce it. Here, just take it anyway and put it out because I want to be a star. Yeah. And and then 20 years later, they're like, where's my check? You know what I mean? And right. No, I mean, you know, as, 
Oh, all the artists and the label Taz, I gotta tell you, pretty much say this. It was we were at the mercy of the distributors, with a hopefulness that we were going to get a big check and we were going to get paid for what we did. So it didn't happen. Now and then you started seeing the transition when Rhythm Centric popped out, and then the music right. changing, and the, uh, they was like Jocelyn Enriquez, which you do the ecstasy song. Yeah. That's when you started seeing. All right, we're we're done. You know what I mean. And then, and then you remember people using Sanaya's voice and putting it under a different name, Maximum Groove. Maximum and, Groove, yeah. yeah. They're like, what? That's Sanaya. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so we know why you parted ways. Um, what is your happiest moment when it comes to thinking of Tasmania and uh, the records and the, the compilations? Oh, man. Just, you know, sometimes you reflect. I don't know. I mean, we, I, wow, I did this. You know, I did this song. I don't even remember. You know, all it. I actually go through Spotify, and when you hit like see discography of all the tracks you've done, I just keep on hitting. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Hopefully, this all happened for a reason. You know, Gennaro. Um, I mean, some of my best memories. Um, honestly, it's things that people probably wouldn't even think about. Me and Mike had a lot of outside of uh, Rob's house driveway conversations. Just. Yeah. Tons of them, like just things I, I will always like carry and uh and hold with me because it was like for me being this guy next to the big voice guy to have somebody else get what I did when everybody else is like looking past me, it was like that was always like a, a cool thing to me because it was like you know, he always saw me from the beginning, he was like, mm -hmm. you know, he always saw me, it was never like oh, that big voice guy that's all we care about. It was like you know, he realized I was a uh, vital ingredient to the uh, formula that made us successful. Mm -hmm. But to use the term successful loosely. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that, like you said, the Winter Spectaculars, I mean, so much of this stuff is tied to, like, moments in my life. Like, I literally know I don't have to think about how old I feel in my heart is because it's the same age as my second child. My second child was born, like, the same week that it dropped. So it's mm -hmm. like, I always, like, little things like that is always tied into my history and memories of the label there's a lot of bad not say bad memories of like there's like certain things of course like i said the label get in the middle of when i say like you know my group you also get in the middle of like what was a a friendship you know i've been friends with this person for you know for since we were 14 years old and then you start making these waves and putting things in front of us it's like we're not even beefing over money like there's not even money it's like it'd be different if we were having this debate because somebody's getting all the money but it's like you know you're just throwing waves but most of my most of my memories are good and again like i said because it's gotten me to be here and just mm -hmm. hearing my song played on q102 on a mix show you know, it's a big station now where we come from. Like, those things to me are just, like, irreplaceable. And, like, I have other family members who have pursued things in music outside of freestyle, you know. I got a brother that's R&B singer. I got two brothers that rap, do all this other stuff. And they're, like, they're actually kind of envious of what I've done. They're like, man, you go do shows in front of thousands of people. Like, like you, you, you I would love to do that. So I'm always grateful I didn't make it in the sense of, like, what people call making it, but I'm very grateful to Tasmania and I have fond memories of all that because I got to do things that a lot of people wish they wish they could have done. I don't take any of that for granted. What about you, Miguel? It's the moment, man. I think um, it really hit me. I remember I did 
the first time I came to Chicago and um, we had went to a club, met up with Tim Schomer, was spending that night. George Lamont was in town. George Lamont came right up to me. He's like, are you Miguel Reyes? Yeah, George, what's up, man? He said, yo, that song, Those Were the Times, the shit. And from that <laughs> point on, I knew I did something right. You know, because before that, you know, I always, man, I would love to share the, the stage with George, Johnny O, Cynthia, you know, mm -hmm. and those were my thoughts when I was writing the song, Those Were the Times. You know, I, I remember brainstorming. I said, I just want to write something that people are going to remember me forever. Right. And it was that moment when he came up to me. Because, I mean, George, he's like, you know, when it comes to stage performance, he's the GOAT, brother. You know that. So for him to come up to me and say that, I was like, George, coming from you, that is a major accomplishment. I mean, that's a major honor for you to tell me that because yeah, I've always doubted myself. And we all have. You know, for, for him to come and tell me that, that was like, okay, I'm on the right track. So mm -hmm. as I look back, you know, I you know, I thank Tasmania for, for that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, I was with the independent label. You know, we were just local kids just making some noise. But it was Tasmania that I actually – you know, and yourself, Jose, and the other DJs that help us expand, to be able to perform, to be able to hear the stories from the fans, you know, the impact, you know, that we made in their lives with our music and songs. I mean, that's, to me, that's my high. That's my excitement. After a show, somebody will come up to me, hey, man, we used your song at my graduation. Yo, man, we used your song. Um, uh, my friend who passed away, that was his favorite song. He had a tattoo. The, those were the times. You know, you, you hear these stories, man, and it's just like, and then the mm -hmm. friends that I've developed that till this day are family. You know, we go to each other's, you know, venues, birthday parties. You know, I get invited all the time. And to me, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what it, that's what Tasmania and you guys had did for us. Michael? You know what? Going back to George Lamont, I mean, it's, um, I remember seeing him, I don't know, 88. He was, when did uh, Bad of the Heart come out? I mean, I can't really remember, but I remember just watching MTV and I'm like, that's what I want to do. Bad of the Heart, I think, was 90. I remember when we did a show in Chicago. It was us. It was George Lamont. It was Joey Kidd. It was Judy Therese. It was Cynthia was there. And I was a little hesitant, but we just got done Bring Me Back. Just got it in my hand. And I actually said, George, can you check this out? He goes, yeah, no problem. He actually found a radio. He listened to the whole four minutes of that. Nobody bothered him. Everybody's talking. He put his ear to that. And he goes, it's pretty good. Just do a little tweak here. Take this out, you know. Yeah, good. He took the time to listen to it. And that was big for us starting out. You know what I mean? If you had a legend that, you know. Coro was cool, too. He used to always break our stones. Me and Jose had the ponytail. So anytime we do a show, he'd be hiding in the shadows. He'd be pulling our hair. You know what I mean? He was cool. But no, we, uh, we, we, we got along with all the legends. That was fun. You know? yeah. I'll always remember that. Uh, to me, you guys are the soundtrack of my early DJ career. Yeah. Um, being able to be one of the DJs to break those were the times was one of my biggest honors. To the fact where... I was a rinky-dink small little radio station that was playing that song. And uh, when my girlfriend and I broke up at the time, I played that song <laughs> on repeat. On repeat for, for I think, three hours until Alex Rivera, a friend of mine, called me and goes, yo, you okay? I'm like, yo, my girl broke up with me. And he, he had to drive. <laughs> and I'm playing, yo, those were the times I was on repeat. 
and he came to the station to take over for me for the rest of the day because our show was from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And by the it was a, an hour maybe or, or to three hours of me just playing one song. Those were the times on repeat, you know. But uh, I guess that's how the song became the way what it became, you know, because it just kept on putting on repeat. But um, you guys are the soundtrack of my DJ career. Um, a pure pleasure listening to Bring Me Back and and Only You, the Past and Present album, um, having the Astorga record, and then you being on Tasmania. Mm -hmm. To me, is what opened the doors for Tasmania in this area because I had that pure pleasure 12 inch record on Astorga records. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, Pain having conversations with Angel Mena about how you guys were the baddest dude on the planet in his eyes and how like um, we will be driving. I remember uh, we had the, the drive from hell where we were having this conversation and then Angel Mena snapped and he just started driving through all the red lights in his little what? car, you know? But again, um, uh, you know, and we'll talk about that in the future on one of these episodes because <laughs> um, I teased it twice already. But uh, it's just you guys are the soundtrack of my DJ career and, and me being on the radio. Uh, so I appreciate Tasmania for for a long time. They they brought um, freestyle back into my community. Uh, when I got the compilations, I used to bring the compilations in and I would play the entire compilation because, man, I had six hours to kill. Why not? Right. Wow. So on Saturday, people be at home cleaning and I'll be playing Tasmania. Um, and then I, I remember the photos that we've taken. Uh, Tasmania was the first label to really embrace me. Um, um, after after I met Willie Valentine and and uh, my friends, and I started doing my radio show when I first got to uh, 103.5 in, in Massachusetts. Uh, Tasmania just sent me droves of stuff uh, for me to give away. Um, uh, Twelve inch records, every like I said, I have all of them. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get a call from somebody. Hey, can you sell me the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, it, it's just it's just uh, uh, great memories of having everybody in the studio. I felt like a superstar DJ when in the studio I got Tasmania recording artist Sammy C, Miguel Reyes. Um, I have Annette. I have Sanaya. I mean, there's a picture rolling around on my timeline that has that that time. Um, Marisol from Artistic Recordings. Um, she was there. Jesus and Juice Vasquez. Um, the man that I looked up to on Clubhouse Dance Music, where I ended up, you know, taking over the show because he 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 aired it to me. Um, mm -hmm. It's just you know, Tasmania became the soundtrack of, of my my beginning years of my DJ career. So I'm grateful awesome. for that. Um, what I'm not grateful for is you know the the later um, the later compilations that I'm like, wait, <laughs> rhythm centric again, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, and it, it, you know, I'm sure that um, if things were to be done different uh, all these years later, and we had that opportunity to do it again, I'm hoping that they would have chosen to promote you guys the way the artist is supposed to be promoted, especially with social media, um, because now you guys have the open world. You know, the right. world is open to listen to these things that you did in the '90s, and now you're able to go out and do shows, um, mm -hmm. which brings me to. You guys are still recording music. Uh, Pure yes. Pleasure just put on a banger in 2020. Uh, top top 10 song of 2020. Beautiful song. Yes. Great song. Uh, Gennaro is doing uh, uh, solo projects, and he just finished doing a, uh, a duet with um, Jenny Renee. 
Uh, Miguel Reyes is 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 um, teaming up with uh, 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 Joey Altora to remaster and redo some of the songs that he did previously before, like um, that classic hit on that Tim Spinning Showmer CD that we could never oh, get. Oh um, yeah, like, it was like, like the first time. Yeah. Oh man, so yeah, what a frustrating situation where you know you're listening to this Miguel Reyes Jr. song on a Tim Spinning Showmer compilation mix, and you can't get the song, and, and now we can get it. So let's 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 go around the, the 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 panel and talk about your current projects. So we'll start mm -hmm. with Miguel Reyes. Miguel, what are you currently working on and what have you released? Well, the latest one was the one that you just mentioned. It feels like the first time I was able to track down the original musical elements that we started. Um, the song was originally produced by JJ Flores, who's no longer, you know, involved in the genre, but you know, we're gonna give credit where credit is due. So right. I was able to track down the elements. And um, I reached out to Jojo. I said, listen, um, and I had the, the vocals. I had redid the vocals a few years back at Carlos Mojica studio. God bless his soul. I miss Carlos mm -hmm. very much. So I did my vocals there. So I had all the vocal files. Mm -hmm. Reached out to Jojo. I said, listen, man, I've been sitting on this for a while. I should have done this a long time ago. I finally found the original musical elements. Can you create the original version to this track? It's still right. the 90s. It's still what the DJs are looking for. Still has that hard hitting beat. So he was able to, you know, vocal arrange it, put it together. You know, he did his little thing to it, but we kept it original. I said, I want to keep it original. You know, we and got that, it. That is, called, that is called the Audio Jacks uh, remix, and we're going to have the link on this video. Anything that has to do with current music by these artists will be on the link. Um, awesome. and, and in the future, will you be releasing more new music, or are you pretty much uh, not releasing and performing? Um, no, I, st I mean, sh as far as performance, I mean, if I get if I get a phone call and somebody wants me to come out, you know, if the setting is right and if the sound is right, I'm there, you know. But uh, as far as new stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of listening and brainstorming a little bit right now to see what's currently being played. I know the lyrical formats are changing a little bit in a lot of these songs. I'm hearing a lot of great stuff out there. So I'm kind of like changing up a little bit. So we'll see. I mean, I'm still not done yet. I mean. I'll keep going as long as, you know, until God takes away my vocals. I mean, I think I'll yeah. still keep. Please do me a favor. Don't rap in the middle of your song. No, I'm not going to do that. If I'm going to do a rap song, it'll be strictly rap. You know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> if I want to change course here, but I, I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, Gennaro, what are you working on? And I know that you put out some really great music. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, I uh, got another song in the works. Uh, called don't talk to me you got to hear some of it but i'm uh rethinking some things about it i got it uh some some hands uh getting some things uh done to it because it's a pretty personal record to me and i want it to be i want it to be uh as good as it can be not to say i haven't put out anything that's subpar but i'm very critical of myself and with this one i'm being extra critical um i'm i'm proud of it uh, again i think it shows uh you know, uh, I say our sound songwriting capability because again, um, you know, we write certain type of uh, music, and uh, I'm proud of it. I got that working. Got a couple other things I'm working. I've written one song for a legend. They haven't put it out yet, um, but I did do that. Um, I'm writing another song for a another led person I consider a legend. Certain people consider a legend. So anyway, I, I got that in the works as well. Um, I've been asked to write a few things for a few people, so I've been doing that. But um, the Gennaro 
solo album is in the in the works as well as the aptly titled Pain the End. So that's uh, also uh, coming. I'm getting all that formatted. Some things I had to rethink because some of those songs were recorded freaking, you know, eight years ago. So, you know. Yeah, by the way, Naeja already dropped that on the last episode. And, um, <laughs> and number two, did you get my demo? Uh, it's a song about me. It's called Pain in the Ass. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll be here a week. Um, I listen to it, but no, but you know, but to go back to, uh, to you know, like I, I showed you, I showed you my um, "Don't Talk to Me" song. You said you think it's a great song. I thought the vocals were great. You weren't, you weren't a fan of production. And just, I'm, I'm saying this a PSA for people out there. Then I put a post up. Then I cuss him out. Then I say he <laughs> know what he's talking about. And, and here, and again, here's the reason why Scars is up here. No, I feel you. Your song has to be right there, or you know or, I mean? or, or or more, or more. You know right. what I mean? And that's it. That's it. And it, you know, there's no, there's a lot of there's not a lot of people that will protect you in this business. I pride myself in being one of those people that that likes to protect the audience and the artist at the same time. From mm -hmm. from you know, if an audience, if if Miguel Reyes put out those were the times, right? If someday it's not right there with those were the times, then it's like ah, you know, we can't play that. Same thing with Gennaro. You know, you have scars. The, the solo version is just a freaking Disney song. You know what I mean? It's just beautiful. I liked it better than the original. Like, I thought you did a better job. Mm -hmm. um, thanks, so thanks. I want that. I, I know Scars, the remix with Jenny Renee, you know, is it, trying to, you know, build on it. Um, I, I go with uh, Michael Astorga and Pure Pleasure. Um, you know, they they put out Bring Me Back, then they put out Only You. I can't choose which was my favorite. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. All I can tell you is that I sing them. And then they put Nothing's Gonna Change My Love For You uh, on, the, on the Past and Present album. You know, like, I burned that uh, 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 compilation album uh, of the other music. I've been burning that for many years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm a big fan of Pure Pleasure. I'm a big fan of everybody here. Um, like I said, Miguel Reyes helped me through a breakup back in the day. Um, <laughs> and then the conversations that I have with Angel Mena, in regards to how much he loves pain, um, not not literally, but yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but Michael, let me ask yes. you: um, what you you did a great job last year with your song "Top Ten Record." Um, what do you have in store for twenty twenty one? Well, that was the problem. We have so much material that we're working on. It's like, all right, you know, we have a meeting with Jay Allen's, and we got to make it better than Black and White. And it's just like, what do you do? We had right. like three tracks we were just sitting on, just trying to work. I got Willie Valentine working on a remix for, for one. We are actually going to be doing, we forgot to talk about this, a Mark Milan versus Pure Pleasure Full nice. Surprise track. So we're going to try as much to keep it authentic to the original. Yes. You know, I mean, we got lucky with Mark not wanting to crack me in the head after doing his track, I mean, it was just homage for him. You know what I mean? Because he wasn't around. Right. When we signed the Metro, they're like, pick any song off the roster you want to redo. So I wanted that track. I mean, we all know Fool's Pride. So. Yeah, it's, it's a remake thing. And you know what happens with remake sometimes? Right. It's not the right thing, especially when a freestyle artist does a freestyle remake of a freestyle song. Right. I get it. So yeah. I think it would kind of be kind of cool. Me and Mark been kicking it around. Um, he's going to be dropping his vocals down on it soon. Um, and then we'll get that out hopefully before the new year. So we have an artist, our first artist on Storga Records that's going to be coming out besides us, Eric Christian. 
Right. So we have a track coming out. It's actually really good. And um, we're going to take some time, make sure it's right for them. And um, yeah, so you're bringing we'll the rest of the records back. We are. Yeah, we started it with black and white. So um, we still are doing some other versions, except for the freestyle versions that we're releasing in September, but they're all EDM. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep it going. We're here to help. I know, I know. We, <laughs> we just listen, man, we're trying. <laughs> we're trying. EDM! <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we got some really good um, mixes coming out, and hopefully, I'll be able to work with Miguel. And um, oh, you know, me and Jay got some stuff popping. So, yeah. Yeah. Janeiro, you got any room for me in your album? Back oh, up. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, man. That ain't, that ain't even a question. Right. Look, man. I got you, man. I got you. That, that, should go, that should go more like, I'm getting on your album. I'm like, do whatever you want. Yeah, we're all family here. <laughs> Told you, man. You know, I, I've been I've been a fan from uh from day one, so yeah. I know what I say. For those of you watching this for the first time, if you don't know who these gentlemen are, you're not a real freestyle fan. And I say that as somebody that's been here all along, but if you're out there in the community and you're not getting familiar with Pure Pleasure, Pain, and Miguel Reyes, mm-hmm. then what are you doing here in this genre in the first place? You, this is like something that you should already know. Um, and when you come in and watch a CPR's Clubhouse live video, you're supposed to know your freestyle before you come in one of these. You know what I mean? We're, we're the guys who've done a lot of what you're already trying, what you're trying to do. We've already done it. Yes. Mm. So, and and, and uh, uh, a a piece of information for the new artists, like same thing. You know, if you are the dais with anybody here, make sure you do your research. If somebody reaches to you to help you, whether it be a pure pleasure, a member, or a pain member, or Miguel Reyes, remember to be respectful because you're a new artist. Nobody knows who you are. Mm. They know who these guys are. You know what I mean? So know your place. There there are levels to this this game. Uh, and that's not a quote from Stevie B. That's a quote from me. I'm the one that's been saying that for over 25 years. But I want to thank you guys. We could do a, a two-parter on this one. Uh, but I, I want to make sure that people seep in all the information now um, because there were a lot of assumptions being made about Tasmania. And I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to get it from you directly. Miguel Reyes Jr., uh, Michael Astorga from Pure Pleasure, Gennaro. Any parting words, guys? Well, quick, I don't know if it's parting words, but have you actually found out how many Tasmania tracks were released? Is there a certain number that you uh, know on top of your head? No, um, there are hundreds because because if you if you go to um, if you go to the the discography, the twelve inch mm-hmm. records, there, there must be about 200 and 250 twelve inch records. Jesus at least. Christ! Right. <laughs> And then, and then Tasmania went from Tasmania about number one, two, three, four to Tasmania fourteen, and then, and then they 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 stopped doing numbers, and they did series A, then they did LMNOP, QRS, TUV, you know, it's uh, it's crazy, and then they did Tasmania WWE. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, you had you had you had mega mixes, you had all type of stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, and then you you had the you had the pure pleasure, um, the EPs. That they would put out the Stephanie Bennett EPs that they would put out, you know. Mm-hmm. Look at these, look at these handsome fellas right here. Let's see if I can put it in the camera. Wait, no, oh. wait, you got the blank, blank screen. It's a blank screen. Hold on. Now I got it. Oh, I know wow. those dudes. 
Let me tell you something. I don't care what you say. I had the best hair back in the day. (laughs) What I I will say before we go is that I'm I'm jealous of both of you. Y'all still have hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. Look at Miguel. Looks at oh, put it back on. Thanks. Um, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not as shiny as you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is uh, done. Everyone on this panel has a unique voice, and you stood out because of your unique voice. On Tasmania, Michael Astorga, your voice is synonymous. I could I could pull it out of any song. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Miguel Reyes. Same thing with Gennaro. I know your voices. You guys are all unique, and you guys you guys are all talented in your own right. And so I don't even need to. Uh, all I need to do is hear the demo, hear the record. I know who is singing on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, it wasn't as easy to find out who sang what, but I could right. tell you by the voices that are here joining me in this panel. So I want to thank you guys for, for coming here and talking about Tasmania. Um, part two will soon come because uh, I'm sure that Stephanie Bennett will want to come on and maybe Jose. Jose, Sammy, Steph. Yeah, you know, even Cito will want to come on because, you know, as soon as you came on, he requested me. I don't know how that works. He's very Stephanie. <laughs> wow. But it happens. I already have him twice, so it'll be a third time. But um, I, I'll, I'll click on all of them. Uh, so yeah, I want to speak to more of the Tasmania artists. Um, I just found Deneen performed uh, um, a few weeks ago, and she sounded marvelous. Um, and, you know, I like, I like to talk to the Tasmania artists. Yes, Deneen was on Tasmania. I just talked about that. Um, people are like, she wasn't on Tasmania. Yes, she was. Um, so I want to thank you guys for, for joining me. I will leave links in the description. So you can link to uh, songs by Miguel Reyes and Audio Jacks. You can link to Michael Astorga and Pure Pleasure's new song and 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 uh, their their previous releases. Also, Gennaro, Scars, and, and the remix with Jenny Renee. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. Um, and, Thanks uh, for having us. Man, yeah, I can't us. wait to hear all your new music. Cool. Yeah, we want to put it out. We just want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, man. Fun. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. T- talk to you soon. And remember, this is CPR's Clubhouse Live. And as we always say, it's not who you love, it's how. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir.